This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri, Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. It is great to be back. Anthony, you know, the season is really in full swing right now. And and after all the anticipation, after all of the wait for ice, and, and it's here, in my experiences, you know, got through the holidays. That's always a busy time, family things and and some of those important events. And, and we've got that in the rearview mirror. And it's like pedal on the gas for ice fishing right now. I know you were out. I saw the Fish Addictions episode you guys were pounding on the big crappies. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing lately since the first of the year. Yeah, I've been able to get out and fortunate to get on some good fishing. Uh, been really trying to to pick my days out on the ice between some of these cold snaps we've been going through. Uh, unfortunately, the day we decided to film, it was, uh, you know, 20 below that morning. But you know, we got, we were able to get out on the ice on a day where it wasn't windy. Um, you know, we were, it was cold, but that wind, it's really adds another element to when you're out on that ice and, and being able to be mobile and have some of those, you know, being able to hole hop and try different places. And once that wind picked up in the afternoon and the sun kind of went behind the clouds, it, it definitely dropped that temperature. And, you know, you could definitely tell, and it does hamper your ability to be out on the ice. And we definitely, felt that and we had a lot of good fishing behind us so i was like all right let's go pack it up and uh, go cook some crappie tacos and get off the ice and warm up a bit yeah you know you don't have to be out on the ice for 12 14 hours to make it a, a memorable trip right if you if you get out there and and whatever your time allows right whatever your schedule whatever your abilities allow you get out and you make the most of it you're out there with friends you're out there with family whatever it might be you know, you can you can have some great times in just a couple of hours out there on the ice, and uh, especially if you guys run into fish like you did. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of guys they'll you know ditch out of work a little early if you get a decent weather day, and you know you'll catch that flash walleye bite in the evening where it's you know you get set up by four o'clock, and by five thirty six o'clock the bite's over, and you pack it up and head home. And you know a lot of guys will do that to get in, like you said, just a short little day trip or something like that. And, you know, I had a couple of times where I was able to get out for, you know, morning session or an afternoon session. And, you know, you don't, it, it's fun to spend the entire day out on the ice, but you know, if it's cold and maybe a little bit miserable, it uh, definitely is not something that you have to do or forced to do. So how about uh, yourself been able to get out on the, the ice at all? Yeah. I've been out a couple of different times. Uh, most recently, just this past weekend, Wanted to get out. We have a foster son, and he's not done a lot of ice fishing, so uh, took him out, took the opportunity to just make a day trip, you know, and just just run out and uh, kind of hit up one of these little lakes that's not too far from home. Uh, but it was kind of a comedy of errors, Anthony, to be honest with you. You, you know, it was one of these situations where you had to park on the side of the road, and, and I've got a, a 20-foot snowmobile trailer. Uh, I've got a, a Articat Bearcat with some pretty big, you know, cargo boxes on the back. We use that going up to Lake Winnipeg and all over. So it's it's pretty geared up and it's a heavy machine. I wasn't paying attention or really even thinking about it because there's traffic and there's, 
you know, we, we, we were, I was trying to kind of do this all by myself. Um, and I drove off the trailer into the ditch and didn't even realize it was like waist deep snow in the ditch and just absolutely buried it. Um, to the point where I had to get out a toe strap and, and actually hook up to it and pull it back out. So that was a little, um, a little humbling, right? You, you have those moments that are a little bit humbling and, uh, got us off to a slow start, but you know, all of these different systems that the temperature changes that you mentioned that sub zero, you know, 20 some below zero, and then it's 15 above, and then it's 13 below the next day. And it really, during that during that kind of up and down time frame, it really slowed the bite down. Uh, we marked an awful lot of fish. We saw a lot of fish, but getting them to actually bite was a trick. And I think we caught four bluegills while we were out. Um, one of them topped the the ruler at, at almost 10 and a half inches. So that was worth the trip right there to see a fish like that. Those don't come around every day. Uh, but yeah, it's been fun. And, and it's just in that time now, we're looking for every moment, every day, every opportunity to get out and, and whether it's a big planned weekend trip or whether it's just a quick little run out to the lake, it's all, it's all part of the season and the passion. Yeah. The weather's definitely been, uh, I think more influential to people's ability to get out and, and spend time out on the ice. And like you said, those systems of somehow we've managed to get a lot of snow and it's only the first part of January. And so I think that's uh, causing a few issues. I know the couple of lakes we were on, we saw some slush and some water in places. So, I mean, that's something to be mindful of too, is being careful around those types of conditions. Cause that can, like you said, backing your snowmobile into the ditch, that can make a, a day go from uh, enjoyable to not so enjoyable pretty quick. So um, a good reminder for people to be prepared for that kind of stuff. Cause it, it is uh, something to be aware of. Yeah, and even with this really cold weather we've had, you know, a frigid, frigid temperatures for for um, not just one day. I mean, it's it's been for a fair amount of time. Ice conditions out on the lakes, at least what I've been seeing, is that they vary significantly. Um, I've seen lakes that even right now are are only eight to ten inches of ice with a ton of snow on them. I've seen other lakes where. I mean, this lake we were on this past week and there was a good 13, 14 inches of ice. And I know there are lakes that are up in that 15, 16 inch range too. You just don't know what you're going to get until you get out there. And, and unless you're familiar and have maybe been on that body of water in the ice in recent days, you got to be careful and you got to check. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, seeing some of the different posts and things on social media. I mean, you're, you know, seeing that variation in the ice across the ice belt and, you know, seeing people that are maybe taking too many risks. And there's been a few vehicles that have gone through and different things, and we definitely don't want to see that happen. So yeah, being, being careful, making sure that you're knowing what the conditions are when you're going out, always play it safe and uh, make sure that you're, you're being careful and, you know, before you know it, we'll have a good two feet of ice and things will be, things will be shaping up nicely. But yeah, it seems like for the cold we've had, we just haven't really seen that ice shape up as much as we'd like to. Yeah. A lot of snow, a lot of slush, a lot of ice. And of course that snow insulates really well. And, and uh, that cold is, might be cold up top, but it's not penetrating as much as we might think it is. So, you know, always be safe, always be prepared, always be ready for those situations when they come up and, uh, you're ready, you're prepared, and you're, you're ready to handle it. It's not going to ruin your day. Anthony, we've got an exciting guest coming our way here in just a minute. Yeah, we're uh, looking forward to getting the 
the episode kicked off with a guest here and uh, talking to, you know, a good fellow Eskimo pro staff member of ours from uh, north of the border. So we'll get things started and uh, welcome him into the show. As we mentioned uh, in the intro, we're going to get started with our, our guest for this episode of Shack Talk, uh, somebody joining us from the Canadian pro team. Uh, I'd like to welcome Matt Gelly to the podcast. Uh, Matt, welcome to Shack Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's going to be, uh, we're going to have a good, fun discussion on fishing in Manitoba. Yeah, how are things going up uh, north of the border? You guys uh, full swing and everybody's uh, out there chasing after them greenbacks? Oh, yeah, we're in full swing. There's been a lot of big fish caught this year already, and uh, guys are already starting to uh, ramp up, and you're getting more traffic from south of the border as well coming up to Manitoba, so it's going to be great. Awesome. Well, I know we'll jump into that. I know that's kind of a focus on one of our topics for this uh, episode is to talk about the how do you get across the border and everything. But for our listeners, maybe uh, just give a little brief bio, a little background on yourself uh, for our listeners, for somebody that maybe doesn't know who you are or doesn't follow you on uh, social media. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I'm Matt Gelly and I've been uh, kind of getting into this outdoors promotion stuff. I uh, run MG Outdoors on uh, Instagram and uh, YouTube. And I'm um, just all about promoting fishing in Manitoba and just encouraging people to get into the sport. And uh, cause it's a great, you know, ice fishing is just one of those great things you can do in the wintertime when, you know, it's cold outside, you set the shack up, you go out there and take your family, your friends, go out there and have a, have a great day. And it gives you something to do. It gives you a great winter pastime to do. I just want to promote the sport and get people into it and promote the fisheries that we have here, right up here in Manitoba. Matt, are you are you born and raised in in the Winnipeg area or other part of Manitoba? Oh, yeah. what, kind of where are you from? Yeah. No, I'm from Winnipeg, and uh, we've uh, done lots of fishing out in eastern Manitoba, like on the Winnipeg River system, and that's kind of like kind of like where I grew up. And uh, I remember uh, there was before ice fishing blew up. I guess it's the sports has blown up so much the last few years. I remember back when we were in university, and like it was like I was with my buddy, and we're like we're looking at each other one day. And I'm like, hey. Hey Dale, maybe we should try ice fishing this year. And I'm like, hey, I got this. We had Grandpa's old auger out in the boathouse, and I thought, hey, we got the the auger, and then we went and got a shack, and then we rigged up the old Piranha Max from the little tin boat we started with, and we we started ice fishing, and uh, we started back when I was in university, and then after that, it just kind of taken off, and you know, technology's evolved so much, and we've just been giving her and uh, just enjoying it and learning how to fish through the ice. Over the last, I don't know how long it's been now, like 12 years or 13 years. So, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, awesome. Have you, I know you talk about ice fishing exploding. I know we've talked about it on previous podcasts. Uh, just with everything that's gone on in the last couple of years with the lockdowns and the pandemic and everything, <laughs> have you seen um, that impacting the amount of people out on the ice? Oh, for sure. Like, that's like everybody's doing it. Uh, like it didn't even seem like even last winter, like out on, out on big windy, it was like, even without the American traffic, it was just loaded with people just loaded. And with Facebook and everything that's been going on on social media, like people are promoting, you know, like there's a Sandy bar fishing club and everybody's promoting different areas on Lake Winnipeg out Hecla. 
has been on fire and just everybody's been, you know, getting into it and everybody's heading on the lake every week. And like, I've been hiding because it's been so cold out, but I mean, if you go look online, it's like, everybody's still fishing. Everybody's Everybody's still out. And that's a good, good thing. There's plenty of room for everybody. Yeah. I mean, last weekend they had the, the, the Keystone walleye tour. They're starting to do like on ice tournaments on Lake Winnipeg where you like cash forward release and people are getting, I haven't tried one of those yet, but who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Sounds like a lot but, of yeah. fun. Give us the quick synopsis because it's kind of like the 500 pound gorilla in the room, right? Anthony, you alluded to it with the with the pandemic up to this point, but we went for a long time, basically an, a, a season and plus the end of the prior season with the border closed. So mm-hmm. we you know, we Americans didn't get to come up and see our friends in Canada and vice versa. The border opened back up, but I know just with a lot of the kind of the process and regulation and stuff, it's it's yeah. not just cut and dried, right? So what's going no. on up there right now? Everybody, uh, well, it's a completely, uh, it's a completely different culture than down in the States. You guys, it seems like everything's open and everybody's doing everything up in Canada. Everybody seems, well, not everybody, but you seem to be uh, playing more on the cautious side of things and everybody's hiding from this virus still. <laughs> it's crazy, but, um, you know, there's different provincial regulations and health orders and all kinds of jazz that they keep putting in place and, Last winter, like he was even down to household only in your ice shack. He couldn't even go out with friends. So it's been, it's been challenging. Uh, it's been the last last year. It's been challenging even to get out with your friends sometimes some weekends, you know. But uh, yeah, the border is uh, the border is open. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I, we've heard, you know, like I said earlier, there's, you know, some Americans that have been coming up already to come fishing, and that's uh, great to see them back. I know. Lee at Lee Nolan at Smoking Fish there has been uh, seeing the odd group come through the shop and uh, pick up bait and whatnot. And, um, but yeah, so far I've heard that, uh, you know, crossing the border has been fairly simple. And Ocala, you guys are up for the Winnipeg River Greenback Championship out in the fall. How did that go? You know, I got to tell you what, that Arrive Can app, and for anybody who's listening to the podcast who is thinking about venturing up into Canada, what, Manitoba or wherever, we, we were going to Manitoba, the Arrive Can app. You know, there's a lot of details, a lot of steps in the process, but that app walks you through every step, step by step, tells you what you need to do. And it was really our guide and our key to being able to do it. And and truly, we followed it. We did what it said, and we got to the border. And, I mean, it was it was easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have to be double vaccinated, show a PCR negative PCR test seven, within 72 hours, arrive can app. I think that's pretty well, I think that's pretty what you need to do. I think if you go on, uh, what is it? I think it's travel.gc.ca. They have all the information there on uh, what you need to do to cross the land border coming into Canada. Yeah, you know, it's really neat because the arrive can app, once it's on your phone, you, you actually take a picture of your passport and it uploads. It actually populates the app mm-hmm. with all of your personal information. So as we added our vaccination information, our medical information yeah. and all the address stuff of where we would stay yeah. if we had to quarantine. Once we gave our passport to the border crossing agent, he had everything that was in the app. Yeah. It, and it, it worked really slick. Now, I, I will say too that I got the bonus test the additional test at the border, mm-hmm. uh, the random, which was an interesting process as well. And and once that happened, um, 
I had to, to actually take a test once we got to the cabin we were staying at. I had to do it while I was online in a video chat with a nurse that worked for the Manitoba government. And a courier came out to the cabin, picked the test up, and I got the results a day later. Did you have to quarantine, Kyle, while you were while you're waiting? Or could you just, or did, could you just go out and, and fish and whatnot? They said we could do what we were there to do unless that test came back positive, of course. And oh, then, okay. And, and, and then a, we'd have to stay for 14 days. Yeah, which is not a bad, well, I guess you have to quarantine so you couldn't just run around and do whatever you wanted to. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I as couldn't long as they let you out on the lake, right? That would be a lot of nights at the paper town and a lot of chicken wings and onion rings. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a lot of them. A lot Mix of them. Mix in a little poutine and... Uh, yeah, few cold beverages. Chef, yep, ordering chicken chef and pine falls, all sorts <laughs> of fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully it did. Thankfully I didn't have to quarantine. The test came back negative as as did the one prior that I took before I left. But I wouldn't say it's as easy as it was prior to the pandemic, obviously. But I also wouldn't say it's um, prohibitive either. Yeah, that's kind of what that's that's what Lee Nolan was talking to me about, and he's he said it hasn't been too bad for guys coming up. Yeah, I mean, to get across the border, regardless, I mean, there's obviously the steps you have to do. You have to have a passport. You have to have certain things. And so, I mean, this just really adds to that process. Um, obviously, being vaccinated is probably the key. And then the test results and all the other information that goes with that. But, um, yeah, it's if it's something that you did before and want to do again or haven't done it ever and you're planning to do it, um, it's not something that restricts people from from being able to go up to Canada and enjoy the the season you guys have up there and the season up there does even go a little bit longer than we typically see down here in the state so i know that's a lot of a a lot of the draw for some people as well yeah one one thing i want to say too is i'm not sure about for unvaccinated children if you're bringing your kids up you're bringing your family but i think most most guys come up fishing you know, on a group of guys but if you're trying to take your kids out fishing there might be some different regulations for crossing the border that i'm not too familiar with but that's something you maybe want to consider matt what about once you cross the border and you get up there into manitoba and 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 i just have to say when we came up in october i couldn't be any couldn't have been any happier to get up there and see just a ton of the friends that we have that we hadn't seen for a couple of years but you alluded to it earlier things are a little bit different so what should folks who visit and, and as Americans, we're visitors, we're guests in your, in your country. What can we expect in terms of, um, you know, going and getting bait, going to a restaurant, getting those chicken wings and onion rings, right? What's the process going on there? Oh, I think, I think currently right now, what's the, what's the date today, guys? It's the January 11th. Yes. I believe right now, I mean, if anything, things are just so crazy right now. I mean, they keep, it's like the regulations on everything can change it almost feels like it's by the hour sometimes. I mean, one week it's this and the next week it's that, and they keep changing with different public health orders. I mean, right now I believe restaurant capacity is at 50%. So you're kind of limited in that. As as far as, you know, one of the great things about the pandemic is fishing, tackle shops, you know, hunting, all that's essential. So even while when everything was shut down, you could go walk in and get bait and rods and whatever you want because it's deemed essential. So fishing is essential up here. Of course it according is. To the, according to the government, fishing is essential. So that none of that got shut down when we were through that first lockdown or anything like that. But 
yeah, you can, you know, there's social distancing measures put in place in the stores. Um, you have to have masks when you're in an, in, you know, when you're in a public space and all that jazz. So masks are important and uh, distancing is kind of what's been the, well, I mean, within reason, I think, you know, people have been pretty good about it, but it's hotels, not a, it's hotels not a, and lodging, all that stuff fairly similar to. Yeah, same deal. You walk into the lobby at the Canalta or in Selkirk or whatever, and it's, you know, masks and, and distancing and things like that. And Well, and I know a lot of folks yeah. in the in the States, and maybe in Canada too, but I know a lot of folks in the States, It's uh, there are differing opinions on masks. There are different opinions on, the, on those rules, yeah. and, and that's totally okay, but I would just encourage anybody planning a trip to Canada, going to Manitoba, be courteous, be respectful, be prepared, and, and be able to follow what they're asking. Yeah, I mean that's just it's yeah, I mean that's just kind of just the way the rules are with the public health orders right now. So. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway is, you know, check in, check in with where you're going, get the information that you need and, you know, go from there. Mm-hmm. Been a lot of takeout in the last uh, couple of years. So another thing that I wanted to to mention or, or allude to is there's obviously a, a big change in your guys's uh, fishing and licensing process now this year, which makes it a little bit easier for us uh, Southerners coming up across the border. Uh, explain that a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, Manitoba finally kind of got their act together, and now we have uh, online licensing, which is nice too. I think you can. Yeah, you can go on uh, www.manitobaelicensing.ca. You can get get your, your fishing license, your park passes, um, anything like that you would need to get fishing here in Manitoba. And one of the one thing you do need to know is this is really important, and I know even a lot of locals weren't doing it, you have to print out your license. You have to sign it, and you have to print out your license. We're not quite there yet on having a digital license on, on your on your device and your phone or your tablet or something like that. You have to print out your license. The conservation officers want to see that paper. Well, and part of that, Matt, isn't, isn't that due to some of the popular lakes, like Lake Winnipeg, right? And if you catch a fish over 28 inches in certain parts, certain waters affiliated with Lake Winnipeg, you do have to sign your license because it's a once-in-a-season possession. So obviously we'd have to have a paper copy in order to sign it. Yeah, for the, I think that's just for the Red River and the Winnipeg River on the Pine Falls side. That's why they have it that way, I'm pretty sure. Well, that's fantastic. I know for many years you had to, to run up and, and find a tablet that had a license, yeah. you know, a license for sale. Now you can be a little more prepared ahead of time. Yeah, just one last, one last thing you have to do before you come up. It's over with and done. That's fantastic. Matt, you had mentioned before we, we began recording today that um, – there's potentially some some rework on licensing or regulations coming, not necessarily this year, but down the road in the future. What have you heard on that? Yeah, yeah there was a survey put out by the by the Manitoba government a few months ago about you know requesting for anglers input on uh, changes to the fishing regulations. I mean, we talked earlier about how you know ice fishing is exploding. Even in the summertime, a lot more people are fishing, and uh, just about maintaining what fisheries we have and uh, you know, like, I mean, we don't really know all of the details yet, but, um, you know, just, you know, changes on, you know, slot limits and what you can hold in possession and just things like that. And I, I do believe we're going to eventually see, like, the, like I said, that that digital version of the licensing thing. But I you know, I mean, 
in the future, but we'll just have to see what uh, what the Manitoba government comes up with. But uh, yeah, there's going to be some changes for sure. And uh, all I can say not to be negative, if you want to wall mount a big trophy greenback wall, you better do it soon. Well, there's always a replica, right? If you, well, you can get a replica, but some guys like the skin mount. But if you, if you want the skin mount, I would suggest come do it sooner than later. That's good no, advice, that's- and that's okay. I, I really respect the kind of the direction of, of wanting to conserve an incredible fishery. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Anthony said, those, those replicas are pretty darn good. And without actually going up and inspecting it at really close range, you probably can't tell the difference anyway. I mean, it's going to look so much different after it's been through the taxidermy process and it's been in your freezer for months and going to shrink a little bit, probably lose some water. And let's, uh, let's just shift gears here a little bit. Matt, you don't just fish greenbacks. It's one of the things no, I really enjoy no. following you is that you are, you're kind of out doing it all. So tell us what else Manitoba has to offer. Oh, well, if there's, uh, I mean, we've got, there's just a ridiculous amount of angling opportunities than just, you know, fishing for walleyes on Lake Winnipeg. You know, like there's, you know, like I, I go out to the White Shell Provincial Park quite a bit. You can go take a look on Google Maps or Earth. It's just kind of the east of the city, closer to the Ontario border. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the nice things about Manitoba is you got everything. We got like prairie pothole lakes, kind of like what you guys have down in North Dakota with all those perch, you know, is it, I guess it's primarily, primarily perch and pike kind of thing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have that kind of situation. We've got prairie lakes. We've got like Lake Manitoba. You know, we've got Canadian Shield Lakes, which everybody thinks about going to Ontario. you got all the rock faces, and we have we have that to offer as well. We have, you know, the further west you go, like towards Lake the Prairies, you've got like reservoir-style lakes. We've got like an old flooded riverbed. We have that and then you go up north and up back up into the shield and uh you know we got lots of stock trout waters it's just endless of what you can what you can target you can almost like pick an area in the province that you want to fish and you can fish like a bunch of different species and in a matter of days you can just fish a bunch of different lakes pretty well but i spent a lot of time out in probably more out in eastern manitoba like fishing for crappies and stuff on the white shell you were telling me about some of the, the crappies that you and your buddies were catching, and the size just blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, the last the last trip I went with my buddy there, I mean, we're getting, like, mind you, some of the lakes have been getting pretty pressured. I mean, some of the lakes pump out an average, like, yeah, like, the, like the cookie cutter size is, like, 14 inches. Wow. Yeah, so, like, every one's, like, 14, or, like, 13, 14 is, like, kind of the cookie cutter size. I mean, every lake's different. It's kind of interesting because there's some lakes that produce just big fish. They've been just producing big fish for years. And then there's some lakes that have like all size classes of fish as well. So you can kind of, we try to go to those ones if we want to take fish to eat and then kind of release the big ones out of those trophy lakes kind of thing. But yeah, there's there's a whole chain of lakes in the White Shell Provincial Park that, that have them out that in that, that direction. You know, there's some lodging as well where you can, you get on, or you know, the night. The other thing too is it's so close to the Ontario. Like it's virtually like, like pretty close to the Ontario border, so you could you can go hop, skip over Lake of the Woods and fish lake trout one day. You can go back and fish slabs one day. You can do a day fishing for backcountry walleye. You can like, there's so many opportunities uh, kind of in that neck of the woods where there's so much access to so many lakes that are just easily available. 
Yeah. So aside from uh, greenbacks and crappies, um, you mentioned, you know, lake trout. I know that's a big popular destination yeah. is for folks getting up to Manitoba, Ontario for lake trout. What else, um, what else do you find yourself chasing after in the wintertime that might be maybe under the radar for somebody coming up there? Uh, under the radar? Well, uh, in the last, I, I don't think we've had too much American traffic, but there's a lot of locals that have been going up toward like the Duck Mountains. Duck Mountains have been a huge very popular sock trout destination. It's kind of on the western side of the province. I guess they were, I guess north, uh, where would it be? Probably north of Roblin kind of area. And I mean, those lakes, if you go on social media and you follow some Manitoba sticks there, you'll see lots of big, or actually, if you really want to find out what lakes are producing when and what kind of quality fish the Travel Manitoba app, or if you just go look on the record book, it'll tell you which lakes are producing big fish. You can go look at all the records and you can see, you know, which, which lake is going, you know, beautiful lakes producing big rainbows or what lake is producing, you know, trophy browns, or you can go on there and find out what lakes are producing. So that's definitely a good resource to check out. Nice that they offer that and it's available, you know, easily available to be able to plan your trips. And, you know, I think, uh, think a person could come up there and probably spend a you know a good 14 day quarantine period up there and uh, not run out of destinations or species to target oh no like there's like twin lakes is very popular on the duck mountains there for like tiger trout and, and all those lakes produce like big fish too like it's not uh like you're catching like true true monsters like 28 inch rainbows and crazy stuff like that yeah, you're talking a little oh. bit about the big fish too. Um, for people that maybe haven't been into Manitoba, they do have something that a lot of, I think people take advantage of or pride themselves in is the master angler program. Talk about that yeah. a little bit. And is that something that, uh, you yourself find yourself chasing after? Or? Um, you know, it's kind of like once you've got your five and you got your specialist badge and you've caught five species, unless it's like the new Manitoba record, you don't, uh, a lot of, I think a lot of people don't enter them. So there's way more fish than what's registered on that, on that program caught every year. You know, there's like some guys will catch, you know, you know, ridiculous amount of like big greenbacks or something, not even register one. So it's a really underrepresentation of what is actually caught every year. But, I mean, it's a great program. I think it started mainly for kids and stuff. You know, you catch your, you know, yeah, but it kind of gives you a good, you know, I don't know, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it's it a sets good the bar on kind of the expectation. Yeah, yeah. it kind of sets the bar on what, what is a trophy fish for around here kind of thing. Except for crappies, they got to increase out because 12 inches is way too low. <laughs> hey, speaking 12 of 12 inches, way too low. That's a master angler in Manitoba. That's 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 not. I wouldn't even consider that a trophy. It's, a trophy is like 15 inch, Four, 14 inches is probably. I would consider that as a trophy. Let's trophy cu- crappie around here, Matt. Let's cut to the chase. When we're talking about crappies that size, this is not. And you, and you, what you said is so true, right? Because. We might catch around here a 10, 11, 12-inch crappie. Yeah. It's a different animal when you hit over 13. We get in those 14, 15s, or even above that number. What kind of what kind of techniques are you using? What kind of lures are you using? What are you doing to target those big fish? Well, like I said, um, the angling, the fishing pressure has, uh, has a big part of it, too. You know, so we're using some of the smaller stuff, too, depending on – it depends on the fishery, but – if you follow any of, you know, Jay Siemens videos or anything like that, 
when jays out crappie fishing, sometimes they'll throw big plastics at them, like big plastics. Like we were using last time, like a, you know, two inch minnow, you know, on a minnow plastic on a, you know, a 16th ounce jig head kind of thing. And that's what produced for us last time. We couldn't even get anything on the tungsten jig, but then there's some lakes where, you know, they're more in tuned on like small tungsten jigs and stuff like that. Five millimeter tungsten with a little, little plastic tail kind of thing. So, you know, you gotta, I mean, we use tungsten a lot, but you know, you can, you know, if you're on those big trophy lakes, you can throw down the big bait and, and pluck out like a 16 or something. No, that's really cool. How about, um, how about traveling conditions up there this year? I know down here by us, we've seen, uh, I'd say above average snowfall. So a lot of our lakes are starting to see the slush. How are things looking up there for you guys? Well, we had, um, we've had a lot of really cool temperatures even before we had snow. I think, uh, when were we out crappie fishing last time? It's been like such a long time. Uh, that was back in middle of December. Or beginning of December. Let me see here. Uh, December twelfth, we were out on the white shell, and there was like a foot of ice already. So we've had. There's been a really good base. I mean, there's no. There's always never a shortage of ice around here, as as you guys know. Like I, we're probably gonna. I you know if the temperatures keep going the way they are, I mean we're gonna be in the extension territory for sure in February. I would imagine double extension come March. Well, I don't know about double extension, <laughs> but you know, I think there was a good 20, 22 inches of ice on Lake Winnipeg last time I was out. So it's uh yeah, I mean, we had, that was a nice thing. We had, we didn't have any snow. So we had a really good base of, uh, we had good ice this year off the get go. It was That's so, always good. The first, when we were out in the white shell, it was so smooth that like we went on a warmer day. We were losing, we were doing donuts on the snow machine because there was only a little patches of snow to go over and like, he was just like, like you could throw your skates on and uh, do the Jay Siemens thing, throw your skates on and, and just skate out your spot. No, that's good. I mean, and you guys for anybody that's traveling up to Manitoba, your season typically goes quite a bit longer than our season does here down in the States. Um, how long do you typically make it out on the ice on a typical season? Uh, you can go, I think this year it's all the way up to uh, Sunday, April the 3rd is kind of like in the Southern Division. And then up north, if you go up north, it's extended quite a bit as well. What was it up in the North Division there? Yeah, I think it was through the end of April. How long do you typically, yeah. how long do you typically run your season? Are you out on the ice up until the uh, bitter end or? It, it just depends. I mean, some years, um, some years we just kind of hang it up or if we get sick of ice fishing or uh, I guess you can never get sick, but sometimes we get sick because we've gone out so much or whatever. You just want to, you just want to get back out in the boat, but um, usually to the end, usually to the end of the Southern division, but then there's just times where you can like sock trout is open and things like that. So we, sometimes if we've had good ice conditions, we'll go fish for sock trout in the Southern division as well. Like that's another option too. No, I know that uh, the few times that I've had the opportunity to make it up there in, in March and April, I mean, those are definitely the days when you're hoping that it's 45 degrees out and you're getting yeah. the SPF out and uh, trying to yeah. avoid a sunburn and enjoying those last few days out on the ice. That was that was last year we had one of those years. Last no, year, yeah, like we all, 
like it, uh, it was probably the same. You guys was it's probably the same down south. You guys remember how it was like got really warm and everything was deteriorating real fast last year. Yeah, yeah our season came to a pretty quick abrupt end. Yeah, that's the same. I, I mean, we had we had ice, but it was not good quality ice. We were pretty scared to even drive on it. We were just walking out on the end there. Well, and there's times too for those that aren't familiar with it there where um, way up in the northern region, they're oftentimes pushing ice out come their opening for their open water season a lot of times up there, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I know that's uh, something that those guys run into up north is they're hoping that the ice will be off by the time that their open water season starts. So it's definitely a a different game up there when you're getting up into those northern regions. Uh, Definitely something to, to be mindful of as well. Yeah, like even over the years, even at the lake, we've seen, you know, you're standing on the dock or, or we haven't even got the dock fixed up yet, but you're standing on the, some remnants of a dock and there's still ice and it's like, oh, okay, the fishing season opens tomorrow and it's like super late and and it's like we still have, there's still icebergs floating around, you know what I mean? So, I mean, we've had, even in the southern division, we can have super late ice out situations as well. So, yeah, it, it goes forever. Makes it interesting, makes it exciting, and uh, that's, you know, we say frequently, Matt, that, uh, you know, we've got some long seasons, but in the reality of it, they all go pretty quick, and they're always changing. There's always something new coming around yeah. the next corner, and I guess that's a good thing, right? When you're an outdoors lover and, and you, you hunt and you fish, you're always looking at what's coming next. Folks, we're talking <laughs> to Matt Gelly. He's fe- a fellow Eskimo Pro Team member from Manitoba, Matt, you're very active on social media. If folks are listening to the podcast, where can they go to follow you and see some of the things that you're sharing? There's, uh, I've got some stuff up on YouTube, MG Outdoors, um, Instagram. I've been trying to focus on the Instagram a lot in the last, uh, a little bit more than Facebook, but you can check Matt G Outdoors on Facebook and MG Outdoors on Instagram. That's kind of like where I've been posting up some of our content and some of our, uh, that's a nice thing about, putting out some videos, we have these memories of these bites that we were on that we're going to look back in like 10 years and be like, man, Jordan, you remember that day when we just cleaned them? Cleaned yeah, there's something to be said about that, uh, being able to watch it back on video. Pictures are great, but, uh, yeah. you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. A video's well, got to be worth. I know I, I know, we're kind of all over the place here, but we already talked about some of this destination, but there's this one, it's been pretty hit pretty hard it's it's been on a few um few youtubes and then one over the years as there's a couple backcountry destinations on the white shell river that there was i'll, I'll share this we were kind of young and not thinking too straight but i went out there with my buddy matt we both hopped on his dad brought the, we were young his dad brought the quad in from the lake we both hopped on we were going up this power line trail in the morning busting through I don't know, four inches of uh, ice in the ditch. And uh, we took us an hour and a half to drive into this lake. We get in there and uh, we were fishing this one lake. It's called, it's pretty popular. It's called Sailing Lake. It was a, you know, late ice day. The sun was out. It was very warm. Like we're talking the SPF, you know, put on the sunblock and all that jazz. And we're fishing this lake and there's like, and the things are starting to open up and we're like, we're fishing for slabs and there's like two waterfalls pumping in. So there's two waterfalls pumping in and we're at, the sun was out. It was gorgeous. We caught some fish and it was a little bit slower and we like, Oh, let's go try the next lake. So 
couldn't go in the conventional way because there's a little bit of a river system, right? And we're looking for, we found this trail to go in and we were going over the shield, over the rock or whatever, and we got into the next lake. And I kid you not, we caught 200 crappies that afternoon. It was <laughs> as fast as you could drop the jig down. It was just stacked. And then it took us another hour and a half to get back and and it uh, turns out that there was a couple beaver dams and some ice that was not there when we came back and it was like a foot deep. <laughs> so it took us another hour and a half to get out of there, but that was probably one of my most memorable days ice fishing is these backcountry like adventures. It's it, it it combines everything. You got good fishing great time with your buddies at the whole sense of adventure. It's not just like, Oh, we're just going to load at the launch and just go out, you know, 20 yards or 50 yards or whatever it is. It's like the full, the full adventure thing. Adventure is half the, yeah. half the fun, right? And half the reward. So that was, yeah. So we've had a couple of those kind of days, but that one was a little bit scary. We could have got in trouble, but we were young and not so bright. <laughs> I think we've all been there before. Yeah. But we had a really good day. That's a great story. And obviously, um, you know, we, that's what we're the point of the podcast is obviously is to share these stories with our listeners. Um, yeah. I'm sure everybody listening has got their own best day out on the ice and we hope that, you know, there's more of those for everybody to come, but, uh, Matt, we really appreciate you joining us on shack talk. It was uh, great talking to you. Great yeah. listening to some of your stories, getting your info on uh, Manitoba and, Hopefully uh, we'll be able to get up there and maybe share the ice with you this season or sometime soon. And really looking forward to that. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It was, uh, it was fun. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Um, thanks again to Eskimo for uh, providing us the opportunity to talk to the listeners and shack talk guile um, until we talk again next time, uh, get out on the ice, have some fun and get out fishing. Hey.